0: Hello, church family. We've reached the end of our study in Nehemiah 6 today. Um, the, remember, the proposition for this week is we're, we want to discern how the devil works. Uh, and one of the things that he uses is that he, he uses fear. In chapter 6 of Nehemiah, uh, there were all these reports that, that came to Nehemiah about how he needs to stop building the wall. And as each time uh, these messages came, it was designed specifically so that he can be uh, f- become frightened. But yet, uh, these things, um, Nehemiah was able to discern. He asked God for strength to be able to resist the fear and the lies of the, of the devil, of the enemy. And Which is the second point too that we learned yesterday is that the devil uses lies the devil will use lies even from people that are supposed to be uh, truth speakers, right? There's will be people that uh, are leaders like usually we see in verse 14 of chapter 6 that there were prophets These are prophets these are or claim, people that claim to be uh, Be able to discern or have visions and abilities and know uh, what God wants, and yet these are the ones that are speaking lies to Nehemiah in hopes that uh, Nehemiah would be caught in some sort of sin, so they could discredit him. Uh, and that's uh, what we need to. And one way we need to to uh, guard ourselves in order for us to guard ourselves from those things that we, uh, that shared yesterday was that we need to know God's word. God's word is is what's going to keep you from falling to the lies of the devil. And today, as we close off this chapter, uh, our last point is that the devil uses politics. And again, I'm not saying in terms of a political sense or in a government sense, but I just mean in general relationships of the the connections that you have in life. The devil can use even those connections uh, to make you do his will and his bidding. Uh, We see this at the last four four verses of chapter six, uh, verse 15. So the wall was completed on the 25th of the month of Elu, in 52 days, again, this is a, a, this is an amazing uh, feat because you know it took, it took 52 days to do all this, and um, you know you, it, the first temple and first wall, they took like years and decades, but he was able to do it in 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 52 days, which is about like a month and a half, or yeah, almost a month and a half, or two months, about, uh, about almost two months, to be able to finish all this. Again, this is an amazing thing, and this was what caused the people, the enemies. Uh, to be afraid. They lost confidence. And again, this is, a, this is one of those um, divinely uh, ironies and ex- funny exchanges in that um, that what they were trying to do was to cause fear in Nehemiah, but because of Nehemiah's faithfulness, they became fearful. They became, um, as it says here in verse 16, that they lost their confidence. And even they acknowledged that their that the, they're able to do this because of the help of the Lord. There was nothing that um, that that they could do because they knew that God was working, and it was on the, and they, these Jews were on their was on God's side. Verse 17. And also in those days, many letters went from the nobles of Judah to Tobiah, and Tobiah's letter came to them, for many Jews were bound by oath to them. And again, I mentioned this on earlier this week. Some of them are like political relationships, like they're just you know, they're rubbing shoulders with different people. Oh, if you scratch my back, I'll scratch your back. Others, it could be just a marital relationship, that they're in-laws. Uh, but the idea here is that um, they have some sort of uh, connection with other people, and these connections were with those that are enemies. So there's these Jewish people that are uh, related uh, by law uh, through marriage um, with other Gentiles, and then these Gentiles are, are connected with, with the enemies of God, and now there's like this awkward... In, um, tension between uh you know really your allegiance are you faithful to nehemiah or are you faithful to your family and your in-laws verse 18 uh, for many in judah were bound by oath to them because he was the son-in-law of Shechaniah the son of arab um, era and his sons jehonan Jehonan had married the daughter of mesh the son of 'er barakaya more, they were speaking about his good deeds in my presence and reported my words to him. Then Tobiah sent letters to frighten me. And the people here are connected with the enemies of, of the Jews, and they were just playing the middle, man. You know, they're like, okay, hey, uh, Nehemiah, uh, here's what T- Tobiah has to say about you. And then he would go back and say, hey, what did Nehemiah say? And then he was explain, oh, Nehemiah said this. And then, you know, the family was kind of stuck in the middle. And uh, these Jews um, had these connections, and they were just trying to play both sides. You know, they're tr- it wasn't like they were trying to be a peacemaker in a sense. They were, they were just because of the connections that they have. They just didn't want any conflict for themselves, but they don't mind the conflict being uh, with the with the two people that you know, the two other parties. They don't want. They just don't want to pro- have problems with themselves. Um, you know, if you're that type of person that you're like kind of like siding with both, you have to understand that you can't serve two masters in any capacity. You can't expect to, uh, um, you know, be of this world uh, if you're living in the world. And I think sometimes uh, there are people even in the church that thinks this way. You know, we look at the world and we try to look at the church and we try to use uh, the world's lies against the church, and then um, you know we report back to the world what the church is doing. These things are. Uh, these type of games that we play, or some people decide to play in the church and outside the church, is not going to go well. And the devil uses these type of connection to cause compromise. Um, in our rec- in the last you know, almost like 200 years or so, there's just been a growing ecumenical movement. And what that means is that. Um, you know there's some christians that want to align themselves with groups that claim to be christians that aren't christians um and i'm not talking just strictly on things like oh the pro-life thing that all these uh, religious groups are together i mean like in terms of like catholics claiming that they're christians and christians claiming that catholics are are brothers and sisters that's what i mean by the ecumenical movement they there's there's people that for whatever reasons, mainly for like lack of persecution or money reasons, or and you know, others as well, for influence or power, they are willing to give up certain um, truths of Scripture so that they can keep those connections. But These are people that are trying to make sure that everyone is, um, you know, they're on the same page, that we're all on the same team, but in reality, we're not. You know, uh, the last few months, there was like a research that said that 30 percent of the of the christians or evangelicalism uh deny that jesus is god and i I, and i look at that i wonder is i don't know if that's accurate because i think these people don't know what evangelicalism they don't know who they are i think it's just I think some of these people are are like Mormons. You know, they, they look at Mormons or they ask Jehovah Witnesses or they ask groups like, hey, is Jesus the Son of God? And they say no. And then they kind of lump that together with actual Christians. Again, these things were made so they could frighten Christians. Genuine Christians know who Jesus is right, they're not trying to, um, there's no, the, the scripture is very clear about it, but yet there are still people that claim, oh yeah, look, there's 30% of people that claim that not, Jesus is not God, so we should, and they're called evangelicals, so therefore we should be the same, uh, we're all on the same page and we should all get together. Uh, we should all be friends and we should all fellowship together and we're all brothers and sisters. No, that's not true. This is all under banner of tolerance or acceptance, but this is a lie. Um, they, they, what they believe is false and we don't need to uh, compromise because of it. And, or even with the LGBTQ movement, I've had different talks with people that were you know, either um, reject the Bible and you know embrace LGBTQ ideas. Um, and usually, the very first question I get asked is, "Do you know someone that is you know in the LG, like like that's that has uh, same sex attractions or or homosexuals or whatever?" And and I understand why they ask that question. They're not asking because they are curious, they're asking so that it's a tactical move for you to empathize that what they're about to say is basically saying on behalf of your loved one, like they want you to feel this is what the your loved one would say if they had a chance to say things to you. And although I understand um, what they are trying to do, I'm not gonna compromise just because you know, if it's a LGBTQ thing like that, just because I have a loved one that is in this lifestyle, that doesn't mean that I condone it. Um, and it's supposed to gain your sympathy so that um, you can compromise. It's, it's what they do, so that, you know, when you're having the talk in this, this, this discussion or debate, that in your mind, that person, that loved one or friend or whoever, it's in your mind so that, you know, when you're gonna say these harsh things or, or saying that they're gonna hell or they don't repent, you're saying to that person, Now, what we need more than that person in our minds is that we need God's truth. Yes, those people that deny uh, God's word are going to perish, but what should trump that is that uh, we know God's truth is supreme in our hearts and our minds, that everything that we think about is driven by scripture. So it doesn't matter who, if I have friends or family members that that live a certain lifestyle, what should give what, what the most loving thing that I can do is to stand up for truth by by lovingly sharing the gospel with them. You know, I don't care about the the, the connections that I have with people. Um, if if it means that I compromise the relationship that I have with the Lord. And I think the world does that. the The devil knows how to make you compromise because of your. Your family relationship or your friend relationship or your co-worker relationships or whatever he knows how to use this connection to tug at your heartstrings to, to deny truth now as we we as christians need to be able to discern that yes uh, we need to be caring we need to uh, be loving but we never compromise truth just because we have these different type of connections in our lives so that's how the, the devil works The will uses first he uses fear then he uses lies and then he and lastly, he uses our connections and our relationships in our lives so that we can uh, deny truth and, and side with the devil. And now I wanna encourage you that, uh, to think about these three tactics. Uh, where are you when you see, uh, where are the areas that you think that you need to work on so that when these moments come, that you're able to uh, stand firm in God's truth and resist the devil? Our, again, uh, Ephesians tells that our our weapons are not uh, are not swords, uh, uh, are not like actual weapon, physical weapons, but we wear the armor of God so that we can um, uh, overthrow and take down str- uh, spiritual strongholds of the world. Um, it's again, it's not a physical war; it's a war of the mind in the war over truth. And I trust that if you see and know these work of the devil, uh, they're in his tactics. You're able; you will be effective. In, in and outside of the church. And I pray and I hope that this is something that all of us do uh, in our life in ministry. Thank you for listening, have a blessed weekend.